episode number 326 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos, and in this week's show, a 787 is damaged as an engine collides with a jet bridge. Wizz Air announced they are taking legal action against Ryanair over the Buzz brand. And there's a new radio station launched especially for cabin crew. In the military this week, Boris Johnson's newly painted aircraft is employed in an operational role. And an Afghan Air Force A-29 is confirmed to have crashed in the northeast part of the country. And in this week's Plain Truths, Matt talks to Captain Al all about how aircraft are powered on the ground and in the air, aside from their own engines. So joining me this week on the PTUK team in the studio, in the master PTUK studios, it is, of course, the legend that is Matt Smith. I mean, who'd have, who'd have thought we'd ever end up in a situation where we have two studios? I mean, come on, what the heck? <laughs> it's, it's not on, is it? <laughs> so so how, how are things over in the stormy side of the village at the moment then, Matt? Well, well given that I'm not even half a mile away from you... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, absolutely, yeah. It, yeah. It's a bit funny weather-wise here today, isn't it? It has been rather interesting. Yeah, it's done nothing but rain here. I'm getting really bored of it now. I, do you remember those three weeks where it was sunny? <laughs> yeah, it, the, the three weeks where the grass had gone from kind of nice green to a, a parched, Some yellowy... Brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's now green again. Yes, absolutely. Won't last, but there we are. Anyway... <laughs> And also joining us this week from his stately mansion across in the glorious Buckinghamshire countryside is, of course, the absolute fantastic guy himself, legend of BA, it's Neville Bounds. Ah, yes, thank you very much indeed. It's been an interesting week. Uh, I've had a haircut. Or more of a, a project review, I would call it, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the amount of stuff that was going on there. W- went in for uh, an estimate, did you? Yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and they were surprised when I turned up with this the mess. Uh, so it took slightly longer than normal, but uh, it was all good. And then I went up to Cambridge to do some filming uh, with the A320 podcast fellas in Ooh. the A320 simulator at Cambridge, as Very I said. Good. So that was Good fun. Um, Is that anywhere near Marshalls? Uh, it's on the same the... site as Marshalls, yes. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It is. Uh, so that was good. Good laugh. Uh, good to see the guys again. And uh, look forward to seeing them again soon. So, uh, yes, I've packed a lot in this week. Busy times, busy times. Busy times. And joining us this week, he's back. Woo! We always miss him when he's not here. It is obviously the best part of the show. It's, of course, Armando. Oh, I don't know about that, Carlos, but... Hi everybody! So it's good to be back in my studio. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In 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 the in the uh, the uh, regional office in Charlotte. Regional <laughs> office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what we should call it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's, it was a great week since uh, last week's show. Man, I've been flying a lot. But flew about fifty hours worth for work, and then uh, flew skydivers on Sunday. So our hours got reduced a little bit at work. I think I mentioned that. So mm-hmm. I am now back to flying skydivers every weekend. So I'll be doing that every Sunday. It'll be kind mm-hmm. of a fun. It's two and totally the, the different forecast, I should say the forecast is good for tomorrow for, um, for that. That's a tomorrow problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Worry about that tomorrow. Eh? Yeah, that so, sounds uh, like good advice. <laughs> no, 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 no uh, storms and tornadoes outside the window today. I'm mean, under. <laughs> No, and even if they do, you know, we, we kind of just fly around them and, and we still go out to the airfield, or at least for skydiving. We go out to the airfield and we all just kind of 
you know, stick our fingers in the air and say, uh, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's wait an hour. And then we just <laughs> wait till there's a break in the clouds. And as long as you can spot the, the drop zone from, from uh, basically the release point, then they'll jump. So do you have to, I mean, do you have to go for a bit of a, like, it's obviously if the cloud is a bit questionable, I mean, how, how do you work out what the cloud base is? Where do you get that information from to, in order to know? Because um, obviously you're dropping from a certain height and you need the, the jumpers need to be able to see the, the where the X marks the spot, essentially. I mean, how, yeah, how do you work out, you know, when's okay? Skydiving is a little bit different in that, you know, there are a myriad of flight planning apps and websites so as far as the weather and forecast, it's the usual suspects for flight planning, but they have additional apps and internet sources to find out the winds aloft at different levels because they have to calculate sort of a, a trajectory, a, a, a ballistic trajectory, if you want to call it that, because <laughs> when, they, when they drop out and they're free falling, they need to know what the winds are doing up at altitude, which may be completely different than what it's doing on the surface. So we kind of just average it out and figure out, okay, we're going to drop about a quarter mile southeast of the uh, drop zone. And then they're going to sort of let the wind carry them into the right spot where they're going to pull their chutes. And then from there, they're basically flying down. And now you need to worry about what the surface winds, because just like an airplane, they are going to try to land into the wind. So it's just a little bit extra calculations, but... Uh, to to really answer your question, Matt, it's it's if there's a break in the clouds, there's a hole that they can jump through. Right. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. And a very important question because obviously this is an aviation show. At the end of the day, what aircraft Richard Adams is asking? I am doing it in a Cessna 182 that is modified with a jump door and a step platform. And I think uh, here pretty soon, hopefully, I'm going to get down to Steph uh, Steph's drop zone and try to. Take a stab at the Kodiak and see if uh, those guys will nice. take me on. So. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, actually, Carlos. While while we're talking about sort of uh, flight and air shows and all that kind of thing, mm. of course, we're 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 off to one next week, aren't we? Which I'm so excited about. I can't believe we're actually going to an air show. Yeah, next weekend, me and Matt are off to the Shuttleworth uh, Drive-In Air Show, mm. um, which is, uh, is not too far from us. It's only just under two hours. Two and a half hours, isn't it? I think. Two and a half hours. And uh, they've got a drive-in air show next weekend, which me and Matt are in attendance at. It's going to be different because, as I said, it's a drive-in air show, and the gates open at 3 p.m. Mm. for that uh, there, and uh, it's a ticketed entry only and you have to pre-buy those tickets online which me and Matt have done so we'll be there next weekend uh, with the uh, the kind of mobile broadcast unit but it, the difference being we're not going to be broadcasting no. the um, the air show live but we will be getting loads of great uh, footage from yeah, the air show absolutely. to uh, play out on the yeah. show so uh, well I, I, and again it's one of those because one of the main reasons that that it attracted us to uh, attracted us to it was the fact because this is going to be very different because uh, you know nobody really knows show, how air shows are going to work in these slightly unusual times uh, and the rules are very very strict so normally I would be saying oh you know if you down do come and see us but i genuinely don't know what's going to be permitted at the moment in in terms of uh, mm. of you know coming to see us i mean needless to say we will definitely be there and i i, I guess as long as everybody is socially distancing you know and things like that then you can shout at us. Yeah, just, you can sort of shout at us or give us a ring um, or something yeah you can call know. us <laughs> yeah absolutely we'll make sure we've send got, us a whatsapp we'll make sure we've got the whatsapp uh, <laughs> phone with us and then we can we can sort of talk to people like that but uh, yeah it's going to be really good to see some 
really good to see an air show, isn't it? So a quick date and time check. It's the 10th of July. Time's just coming up to 10 past 7. Big hello to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Uh, we've got loads of people in there. Quick mention to everyone. Mash uh, is in there. Uh, Auntie Liz, Graham Haley, Richard Adams is in there. We've got uh, Sir Hingle McCringleberry in there as well this week. Uh, hello to you. We've got Alan Loveday. Awesome. Hello, Alan. <laughs> uh, Stephen H. Hello to you, Stephen. Uh, we've got ShuttlePod1. Hello to you, ShuttlePod1. Nice to see you in there. Masha and says we need a sunroof for our age. We need a sunroof. Yeah. Actually, I don't think the C-Max has got a sunroof, has it? No, no. But I, I, I will be taking at least one Broly. Oh, good. Just yes, in case. Absolutely. yes. But at the moment, the, uh, the, the the 10-day forecast is actually looking okay for next Saturday. So, okay. fingers okay, crossed, that, everyone. That in fingers crossed. Well. <laughs> I'm going to print it out. I'm going to print it out and, and laminate it. Right. Yeah. What? Well, in case it rains. Yeah. In case it rains. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, actually, on the subject of uh, aviation, still, don't forget. Uh, as we mentioned in last week's show, we've got that all-important competition to win that £150 voucher to spend in the Plane Reclaimers uh, shop, which Andrew very kindly donated when he was on the show a few weeks back on episode 324. So all you've got to do to be in with a chance of being drawn out of the hat for the uh, draw will be, well, just to send us in uh, a piece of feedback, uh, something that we can play out on the show. And the theme is aviation in my life. So any feedback, written, audio, audiovisual, uh, will do. And you'll be entered into the draw to win that £150 voucher to use on the store. And uh, let me just say, there is some awesome stuff to buy on that store. But if you want to buy an overhead or um, an overwing exit sign, um, they have sold out this week. <laughs> oh, have they? Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, Nev, what are, you, what are you up to next week? Up to anything exciting? Oh, uh, next week I am, uh, well, from Sunday I'm taking a drive, a long drive, actually, to the northwest of England, uh, Lake District. And then, as Auntie Nicola says that we can go to Scotland <laughs> on 15th of July, we are going there. So we're going off to the Isle of Skye, uh, right up into the Trossachs, who uh, misses? I, I beg your pardon. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yes, and coming back via Leith, just outside of uh, well, the eastern part of Edinburgh. So yeah, really looking forward to that. A, a road trip, if you like. So that'll be uh, purely for pleasure, and that will be about uh, a week's worth. So that's good. Sounds really looking lovely. forward. To that. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, right, Carlos. I suppose we better do some aviationy stuff. Yep, we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're all ready, guys. Oh, yeah. Let's go. This week's first news story is the fact that no one's noticed I haven't got my cap on this week. But anyway, <laughs> this week's first news story is on the Simple Flying website. And uh, actually, when, uh, when we found this story this week, uh, the video for this is amazing, honestly. And it'll be interesting to see what Armando thinks of this uh, after I've finished reading this story. But uh, as I said, this is on the Simple Flying website. And the headline, oops. TUI Boeing 787 damaged as engine collides with jet bridge. So a TUI Boeing 787 Dreamliner destined for Caraco was damaged 
in an incident at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport on Thursday. The aircraft appears to have been pulled too far, causing the nacelle of the left engine to collide with the Gates Air Bridge. Understandably, things can get a little bit rusty when returning to work after a long hiatus or oh, allowing activities. As traffic begins to pick up at Schiphol Airport and the first charter flights are once more taking off across the Atlantic to the Dutch Overseas Territories. Surely ground crew are busier than in the past few months. However, one eager little tow truck overshooting of the mark turned out to be a costly affair. On Thursday, the uh, 787 Dreamliner was being towed to its gate from where it was uh, to fly to Caraco for the first time since the pandemic uh, put in Thank you. An abrupt halt to leisure back in March. Unfortunately, the particular aircraft will hate, have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, while a spokesperson for TUI told Simple Flying, Ooh. stop, stop, uh, told Simple Flying the cause of the incident is still under investigation. Footage shows the 787 in question being pulled uh, into its gate, literally, uh, while there is no direct line of sight to the collision, there is a loud bang. Uh, the Avio av- oh, Bridge wobbles and the plane comes to an abrupt halt. The photo, uh, which uh, Matt might pop up on the screen, uh, shows the after the incident, which clearly shows a substantial dent in the engine's nacelle, uh, the aerodynamically shaped housing that encapsulates the engine. Two is reportedly able to exchange the aircraft for another 787. Thus, the incident resulted in no more than an hour's delay for passengers. However, the TUI spokesperson said that the extent of the damage is still under assessment. TUI Netherlands uh, operates three Boeing 787-8s that are cheekily registered as Papa Hotel, Tango, Foxtrot, Kilo and Lima and Mike. Whether that's a nod of respect or challenge for its compatriot, as in KLM, the Dutch flag carrier is hard to say. The company's Dreamliners are on lease since they joined the fleet in October 2015. According to Planespotters, the entire TUI group has 19 Dreamliners in the fleet, most of which have been parked since the outbreak of the pandemic. And the leisure travel giant has not fared so well in 2020. Again, although, mind you, who has, to be fair? Uh, so it's safe to say it had a ding. I've watched that video a number of times. <laughs> um if you actually, if you listen to the audio in the video, it, it's, there's quite a, a nice. Oh, is there some audio at the end? Is there? Oh, right. there is a, yeah, okay. you have to have it. You have to have it quite turned up, quite loud. But there is a, a quite a nice bang as it strikes the air bridge. I think. I mean, I've watched it a number of times now. Do you not think? And I know I realise that it's a difficult thing to call because of the perspective of where the camera is. But don't you think that was coming into the gate a little bit fast? <laughs> no reason for that. No reason for it to come in that fast. <laughs> yeah, Matt's showing the video again. I think it was at times too normal speed. <laughs> but then you look at the people on the ground, and they are at normal speed. So, yeah, I think that, that could have been done slower, personally. Ooh, it's certainly... You hear that noise, it just sounds expensive, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, Armando, you've, you've worked a kind of ramp stuff before. I mean, your thoughts? Well, so in this slowdown... I guess everybody gets rusty, including the ground crews, and everybody is eager to get back to work. And some of the daily procedures may have gone a little bit out the window. But yeah, that, so this airplane was probably coming in from storage. And oh my gosh, how many times have we said it? If we just, if you just had a wing walker that was, 
and now this was coming in pretty fast. So yeah, they'd have to be a ring runner instead of a wing walker. <laughs> but but if you just had a wing runner or somebody just stationed, uh, just even look at there was two people in mm. yellow jackets on that side. were yeah. they were both on the same side. Unbelievable! That yeah. what a preventable incident. But you know what? Guess it won't happen again. Well, no, no, indeed. Uh, actually, well, uh, not to those guys. Not to those. Yeah, I can say uh, Richard Adams agrees with you, Nev, saying that actually it looked quite fast. Um, you know, mm. it does. Did, did, did as you say you sort of think it, is this on double speed or something? The way it, it, the way it was I coming in. It was. I thought it was at least one point five times normal yeah. speed when I saw it, but then it, and then I realised it, realised it wasn't. Well, no. But isn't the guy in the tug facing? I mean, he must be. He's facing towards the aircraft. I'm sometimes underwater. there's sometimes there's two people in there, but he mm. may he or she may have just been following the line and taking it. So it could have been that the jet bridge was out of position mm. because those are gates that are used for multiple aircraft. And I, I did find it kind of interesting that there was two jet bridges so on close that together. Gate. Yeah, yeah, so close together. So I think one of them may have been out of position because they they're just focused on on the line on the ground that says 787 and may have not even noticed that, oh, by the way, we haven't moved that other jet bridge from its storage position or something like that. Ah, just a silly incident. I mean, oh well, I mean, hopefully more information yet to come then, essentially, to uh, to uh, sort of fill in the gaps then. Perhaps that, you know, perhaps you're right. Perhaps it's because it could be something as simple as the air bridge being in the wrong place. Mm. And can I just yeah. say, Matt, that that won't just buff out. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up. Anyway, we'll move on to the next story. This is our, well, it's sort of Ryanair story with a slight twist on this. So Wizz Air takes legal action against Ryanair over the Buzz brand. So Europe's two low-cost giants, Ryanair and Wizz Air, are in an open conflict over Buzz, a, a subsidiary of Ryanair Group. Wizz Air previously filed a lawsuit against Ryanair to block its rival low-cost carrier from using the Buzz brand. The Hungarian low-cost carrier alleges that Buzz brand is very similar to its own name, Wizz Air. The, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll notice I'm being trying to be very careful here because I could get so many words wrong here if I'm not careful. Ryanair said that it would appeal against the Hungarian court's interim injunction blocking Buzz, a subsidiary of the Ryanair group, from using its Buzz brand in Hungary. The decision to suspend Buzz's operations in the Hungarian market has been taken at the request of rival carrier Wizz Air. It is clear that Wizz Air is terrified of Buzz's low lower fare competition, which is why they are trying to block Buzz using its Buzz brand in Hungary, where Wizz are cutting aircraft and capacity in Budapest. They should stop wasting time with lawyers and start focusing their energy on reducing their costs to rival lower cost Buzz Ryanair's chief executive Michael O'Leary said in a press release. We look forward to overturning the silly injunction on appeal and we will continue to focus on Buzz's expansion in Hungary. Those can, uh, those that can compete and those who can't, like Wiz, run to the court seeking injunctions to protect them, continued O'Leary. Uh, the Irish Ryanair group uh, alleges that Buzz brand had been in their portfolio for 17 years. 
According to the chief of Ryanair, the company will wait for a positive court decision and will continue to expand its presence in Hungary. Uh, so a little bit more information about Buzz. Buzz was a, a previously a British low-cost airline operating flights within Europe from 2000 until 2003 as a subsidiary of the Dutch carrier KLM. The airline was acquired by Ryanair back in April 2003 and continued operations until flight operations ceased in September 2004. In March 2019, it was announced that Ryanair's Polish subsidiary Ryanair Sun would be rebranded as Buzz. It was reported that Ryanair aimed at reducing uh, operating costs with rebranding. According to Ryanair's plans, Buzz would lease aircraft and crew from the parent company. Ryanair's Hungarian base was handed over to Buzz at the uh, beginning of December last year, along with several other bases around Europe. Buzz is a Polish airline operating charter. Uh, flights from its bases in Poland, Czech Republic and Bulgaria to popular holiday destinations. It is one of five airlines of the Ryanair Holdings Group alongside Ryanair DAC, Ryanair UK, Malta Air and of course Louder Motion. So uh, now I've got a little picture here that uh, producer John has given me. Uh, so this is this is basically the two liveries. So here we are. These are the two liveries look. Um, now what do we think? Are, are they, do we think they're a little bit too similar oh, to they, each other? Oh, they look so the same. <laughs> I mean, look at the colours. The colours are the same. The fonts are the same. No, it's not, is it really? Uh, so, I mean, what do we, what do we think's behind this then? I mean, what 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 is our gut feeling? You know, does it look? Is it because it looks similar? Do you think it sounds similar? Um, they're upset because they're using two Zs. <laughs> possibly, yeah. I mean, I think wow. I think the old wow and whiz would probably be closer than buzz. Oh, I mean, I quite often get the two mixed up. I mean, you know, uh, uh, many a time one of our pilot friends, you know, for for a long time I thought they worked for wow uh, and not whiz air. So you know, it was it's sort of very easily done. Uh, and uh, I, I'm I, sorry, I should say this. It's a shame, guys. I I don't, I don't know if I, I, I. In fact, I'll probably get told off by our producer for doing this. Look, but because they know how bad I am at reading these stories. Look, our, our producer John here had literally colour coded all of the words there just to make sure that I got <laughs> I got whiz and buzz all the right all the right way around. I'll tell you what, it goes to show you know that they obviously know me far too well, don't they? With it, but uh, I don't know. I mean. So uh, you know what? What does the chat room think? What are they, what are they saying about um, uh, what, uh, this? We've got to, we've got Graham here who's saying that I hope Buzz will be flying air buzzes. I quite. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your style of that's your style of uh, humour there, Nev. I think. <laughs> mm. yes, I wish I'd have thought that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it's uh, where are we? So uh, sort of uh, yeah. So what do you reckon, Nev? Do you think it's just a case of they're just jealous? I, I think there's very little similarity there, mm. uh, and I think that's just some opportunism, as, as mm. tends to happen when there's some rivalry going on. Indeed. Actually, Masha is, is very much in agreement. Look, she's saying like, nothing alike. Um, it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite funny, really, isn't it? I, I see Uncle Micah has just joined us in the chat room as well. Hello, Micah. Indeed. So we'll just, put it, we'll just put Buzz <laughs> in that same list as uh, what Swoop, Scat, 
June. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, don't, yeah. don't say that word. We'll, we'll lose never again. Although I quite I quite like Richard's uh, Richard Adams's comment here. He says scope for a third airline to be, perhaps become Waz Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a thought, everyone. What a treat. Anyway, thank you, thank you, chat room. Yeah, thank you, chat room. Legendary as always. Um, next story now for you is uh, is sad news. I think. Well, yes. I mean, we all love the 747, don't we? And uh, this is on the uh, Gadget website. And it says that uh, if it wasn't already apparent that the era of big flying is ending, it might be soon. Uh, Bloomberg sources say that Boeing is ending production of its 747 jumbo jet, uh, which is the currently the uh, 747-8 in about two years' time. A spokesman for the aircraft manufacturer didn't confirm or deny the shutdown, saying that there were more than two years of production left to fulfil orders. However, Boeing, uh, sorry, Bloomberg pointed to signs of a firm stop in subtle wording changes for financial statements. Uh, whilst there's no claimed explanation for the move, it's no secret that Boeing faced both a hostile market and its own troubles. Even before the pandemic, the air travel industry had shifted towards smaller, more fuel-efficient twin-jet engines, twi- sorry, twin engine jets like the 787 Dreamliner. The 15 remaining uh, unfulfilled 747 orders are all destined for freighter use, with 12 of them uh, headed to UPS. The Dash 8 was also late and over budget and is believed to have been a money loser since 2016. The last passenger order was for Air Force One in 2017. Even so, uh, an end to 747 manufacturing would close a major chapter in aviation history. Uh, The 747 has been in service for over 50 years, entering service with Pan Am in January 1970. It was one of the most popular wide-bodied jets with about 1,571 orders, and its distinct upper-deck hump made it instantly recognisable amongst travellers. The 747 will continue to fly for a while yet, but clearly the time is coming to an end. And uh, Qantas of Australia, of course, is a very big operator of the 747 aircraft, um, and they're going to retire uh, their aircraft, uh, but they're doing some send-off flights. So the airline will send its only surviving 747 on a series of one-hour joy flights, uh, departing Sydney, Brisbane and Canberra, so that fans can bid their farewell to Queen of the Skies. But it won't come cheap. Tickets are priced at $747 uh, for business class and $400 for economy in a nod to the Boeing 747-400 aircraft series. Very clever. Uh, Tickets go on sale at midday, uh, um, Wednesday of this week, actually, for the Sydney flights on July the 13th and Brisbane flights are on July the 15th and Canberra is on July the 17th. So, uh, yes, it's uh, finally going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. That's a big shame, isn't it? Big shame. Mm. It is a big shame. I'm just, I'm glad that, you know, that uh, I had the opportunity to fly on, on the 7-4 the, the couple of times I did. One of yes, those was have, with, I think with you. Our, our trip back from Dubai with mm. the BA fellas and girls, yeah. I think that will be our last ever flight on the 7-4, won't it? Yeah. It's uh, a shame. No, no question about it. Well, I think even if they stop production, there's going to be a long life ahead for the 747. I think there was over 1,500 built and probably close to a thousand of them still in service, if not more than a thousand. So yeah, I think we'll still see them uh, in disguise for a little while. And they'll be keeping parts availability in, you know, service uh, mm-hmm. schedules going, won't they? So they'll be around for, for a while yet, certainly, I think, yeah. 
So moving on to the next story, Armando, you've uh, got some sad news for the next story. It's uh, it's sad in one way and, and a good mm. story in another way. This is from Flying Magazine. Uh, Emily Warner, who marked many uh, airline pilot firsts, uh, she was the first woman captain for a scheduled U.S. airline. She passed away on July 3rd uh, when she bought her first ticket to fly on an airplane, a Douglas DC-3 flown by Frontier Airlines from Denver to Gunnison, Colorado. She thought she might be interested in becoming a stewardess. It was 1959, after all. Uh, after a second trip, her flight back to Denver, she was invited up to the cockpit by the pilots on that empty flight. And then she knew that she wanted to fly up front. She said, I went forward into the cockpit. I was just floored at what I saw. It just grabbed me. They were just coming over the mountains. Uh, when, asked, when she asked if a girl could take lessons, the affirmative answer took her to Clinton Aviation at Stapleton Airport. Uh, which is no longer there, by the way. I think the tower is still there. But, uh, she would eventually become a flight instructor and a pilot examiner. Um, she did pass away on July 3rd, 2020, having gone on to join uh, in those pilot corps at Frontier Airlines in January of 1973 with her initial flight as a second officer on the Boeing 737 that year. Warner became the first woman to fly jets on a permanent basis for a U.S. airline and the first American woman to ascend to the ranks of captain of a scheduled U.S. airline. But she hadn't been hired until after she had more than 7,000 hours in her logbook. Uh, scores of male pilots she had recommended to Frontier, United, and Continental Airlines. Um, the article goes on a little bit, but uh, she had uh, some amazing, an amazing career and a uh, dozens of awards. Uh, she ended up go flying for Continental Airlines and her first uniform is actually on display at the National Air and Space Museum. She's in the National Aviation Hall of Fame, Women in Aviation International Pioneer Hall of Fame, and the National Women's Hall of Fame. So um, yeah, clear skies and tailwinds to Miss Emily Warner. Oh, what a career mm. and what an achievement. Very, very, very memorable. Mm. So uh, moving on to the next story. And uh, this one, when I picked this up this week, I found it actually quite interesting, this story. This, um, this one is uh, from the Wales Online. So it's uh, across the other side of the UK from where me and Matt currently are. And uh, this guy here is, is amazing, honestly. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to own your own airport, this guy actually does. So Winston Thomas is an 82-year-old self-made millionaire uh, from his work in engineering. Winston, he brought the airport back in 1994 and has spent £4.5 million transforming the former Royal Air Force Airport into a thriving facility that today offers private and commercial and charter flights. Um, the uh, runway on the actual site, 797 metres by 30 metres, and has a displacement of 40 metres on runway 04, according to uh, the charts via Nats. He said that uh, he had to clean a runway up when he first took over. It took six months pressure washing, uh, pressure washing the runway. Uh, all the grooves in the runway had to be cleaned up 
He got a specialist company in to paint the runway, which took uh, two and a half tons of paint, said Winston. Uh, the military has Winston's mobile phone number, so they can call him at any time, and the airport provides refueling and support services to all military and emergency services, including the Air Sea Rescue Aircraft. The airport is on call 24-7, and there are just six people working there, including Winston. Pembury Airport is just one of a handful of facilities in the UK that can offer certain military training and exercises are carried out during the day and night. It's also uh, semi-located that local residents are often unaware of these nighttime activities. Since 1997, nearly 10,000 military personnel have been trained at Pembury. This includes Prince Harry while he was training in Apache helicopters. Um, Royal Highness, or His uh, Majesty Queen Elizabeth II and Royal Highness Prince William have also used the airport with Prince William using it during his time working with the uh, rescue helicopters in North Wales. In 1998, the airport was officially opened and in December 2010, the Isles of Scilly Skybus operated the first charter flight into the airport with a 16-seater aircraft. But a decade on from that, Winston has bigger plans to expand the capabilities of the airport and to try and get Ryanair to fly into the West Wales Airport. Be interesting. He says his goal at Pembury Airport is to provide commercial passenger services at the airport to service the whole of South Wales, he said. I'm trying to get people involved and to see the potential and have a lot of interest from finances in Malaysia, India and Dubai, he said. Uh, Michael O'Leary, the Ryanair boss who knows his business, has asked me to do an extension so he could fly to Pembury. He said it's going to cost quite a bit of money and he's done most of the work already. So he's dug topsoil down to one metre deep, put some clean, uh, clean stone down. The only thing left to do is lay concrete on the 350 metre extension. So with the 350 metre extension, that will bring it in line with the London City Airport runway length as well. So what do you think, guys? Own your own airport? It, I mean, it has potential. Well, it, it does, but I don't think I'd like to take a 737-800 uh, <laughs> off of that one way. And if you did, you're going by road. Uh, because uh, <laughs> with his uh, runway extension, which brings it up to 1,147 metres, that's 3,763 feet, uh, you might get an empty 737 <laughs> off the deck, but not, uh, not even a half-full one, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so I'm sorry to you know, dampen people's spirits, but uh, some realism surely has to come into play here somewhere. But that said, uh, it's an ambitious um, thing, isn't it? Certainly, is. I mean, it's sort of kind of exciting in, in lots of ways. I mean, you know, let's be honest. Any entrepreneur, you know, you're only as good as your your next idea, aren't you? You know, and if you've got if you've got that passion and drive, I mean, who knows what's achievable, isn't it? I mean, because let's be honest, there there is no really easy link airport wise directly into into Wales. I mean, so you know, maybe this is the answer if somebody's willing to invest. Um, then all it does take is someone like Ryanair putting re- regular flights into and out of it, and suddenly you have a successful airport. Actually, he does say, if you read the uh, the video, watch the video that came with that story, Matt will put the links in the show notes as usual, but there's all, also part of that story where he says in the video that the, the runway itself, because it was built by the Royal Air Force, it is a pretty well-built runway that can carry, I think he said nine, is it nine tons? Yeah, I think, I think it's safe tons. to say, as, ne- as, never, as never I sort of said, I think certain do with a little re- light resurfacing however uh, <laughs> much work is required i think uh, uh, armando you look like you were about to say something 
Well, I was going to agree with Nev that I think 4,000 feet is a bit short for really anything other than a small airliner going in there. But there are plenty of those. There are plenty of small air carriers that that could probably go into a 4,000 foot runway. Um, I know there is a long, long history, both in Europe and here in the U.S., of former military bases becoming commercial airports. In fact, I think that is probably one of the uh, preferred methods to divest of of a military airfield is to sell it off and make it a a commercial airport. I think some of the drawings that are on the uh, Wales Online uh, website the conceptualized drawings are very, very ambitious. I mean, it's, mm. it does show a couple of 737s and I think even a 747 um, parked at the gate there. So um, <laughs> we'll see how that works out for them. But but I think it would make a fantastic general aviation airport. And as far as a military training field, uh, it is a great military training field. I, we're going to talk about Pembry a little bit later, Wales is very, very popular for military training because of the terrain out there. So if you had an airfield that you could use as an objective, a training objective, I think he could make a lot of money off of that. And um, if, especially if he provides fuel services as he is refueling the Chinooks there in the pictures, um, I think it could be a lucrative venture, just perhaps a little bit too ambitious for the 747 dash. <laughs> 400 that's parked it at the gate in his drawings <laughs> you never know though let, let, never say never that's what that's what they should always say a lovely part of the country never it is it absolutely. is a beautiful part of the yeah, country absolutely oh my gosh i that was my favorite flights uh, the lake district was was great when we were doing day low level but wales is is just beautiful and great great training terrain there Definitely. So the next story, moving on to Matt. Now, yes. as many of the listeners will know, Matt in the past has dabbled in radio. Very as much in so. And broadcasting. Course, yeah, well, and, and the, the, the slightly scary thing of this here is like, I never ever thought in a million years that. So this, web, this website I'm reading from is a website that I read almost daily because I'm a massive radio nut, as many of you well know. I dare say it's something even Nev is uh, aware of. And it's a website called Radio Today. And I was thumbing through that, as I do virtually every morning, trying to find find out what terrible things are going to happen to the wonderful radio industry that I love uh, today. And, for example, like here, we're about to lose, um, you know, Radio Norwich, Carlos. We're about to lose that. It's about to become a massive uh, conglomerate now. It's about to be taken over by Greatest Hits Radio, yada, yada. Anyway, I was thumbing through that uh, a couple of mornings ago, and I stumbled across a really rather fascinating article. And it's so, radiotoday.co.uk is the website. And the headline is, Radio Station Launched aimed at airline cabin crew which is suitably exciting so a new radio station exclusively for airline cabin crew around the world has been launched online ccfm on air started uh, during the coronavirus pandemic on the 25th, uh, targeting 100,000 cabin crew and their aviation colleagues. Uh, the service is the brainchild of current serving stewardess Deborah Henley and the former Persurf with British Airways uh, and uh, radio veteran Del Wilden. Uh, they 
agreed that particularly during the coronavirus lockdown, the crew community needs each other more than ever. So Deborah said that the launch of the station, these are such worrying and lonely times for everyone, but particularly for airline staff who find themselves stuck at home, depending on social media for daily contact when they would much rather be at work chatting to customers and colleagues. I um, I have long believed that the cabin crew community needs their own radio station that is internet-based, brings them closer together and talks their language. Now just seems the perfect time to launch as so many people are worried about their job security. We will be advertising any new crew job opportunities first on our radio station. Deborah and Dell have already enlisted the help of guest presenters and contributors including former Heartbeat actress Trisha Penrose, uh, Leo Jones, star of the popular EasyJet TV reality show Airline, Emma Kenny from ITV's This Morning Family and support team and local radio presenter Mark Johnson, Leo and Katrina from ITV's Airline are also on board. Dell currently a presenter on Radio Radio Wirral Radio Radio Wirral said uh, that we have a strong and enthusiastic team working together and I am certain CCFM on air will be welcomed by colleagues around the world. It's a great way of keeping in touch and sharing music, laughter and any anxieties or problems we may have. Although it's aimed at cabin crew primarily, of course, people from every part of the airline industry are welcome to join in as we are one big aviation family. The launch of CCFM on air is being privately funded, but they are looking for sponsors, advertisers and partners uh, to help them maintain the service. So there we are. We can just you can probably just hear that slightly in the background there. I had it. I had set the 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 actual website itself. I mean, it's just it's just like any other online uh, player. There we go. That's the website itself. Um, and I must admit, uh, both myself and producer John had been listening to this during the week. Uh, and I have to say, it's as as these things go, it's not a bad web. It's not a bad radio station. It has to be said, uh, Carlos, you'd love it. It plays all sorts of things. I've, had it, on, I've had it on actually today, Matt. That Have was you? very good. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. all right, isn't it? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But, uh, there we are. I never ever thought in a million years that I would actually be reading a story from the Radio Today website uh, about uh, aviation. So I'm suitably excited. Uh, it is are, a great idea. What yeah. a brilliant idea, though, is, especially uh, for crews. Also, I'm, I'm going to be completely selfish here as well. Uh, if you are a massive radio nut like me, then I strongly recommend you listen to their podcast. It is a fantastic listen. That's the Radio Today. Co. Anyway. Enough plugging. <laughs> I'll shut so, up now. I'm going to have a lie down. <laughs> oh, moving on to uh, to next story, story number seven this week. Nev and uh, uh, complaining going on here. Oh dear. When you're when you're complaining about something, I, I think you've got to take a certain tone, and I don't think this person has particularly. My own view, anyway, um, it is on the uh, one mile at a time dot com website. And it's about Singapore Airlines. And the question is, what are reasonable expectations to have when flying during the coronavirus pandemic? Reader pointed out a complaint posted on Singapore uh, Singapore Airlines' Facebook page expressing frustration over a a flight he described as daylight robbery. It does raise the question of what expectations uh, customers should have. So uh, whilst you can go to the Singapore Airlines' Facebook page to read the whole complaint, which is uh, substantial, let me say. Is it? 
Um, let's just have a look at the um, the, the summary of, of what happened here. <laughs> so this involved a passenger travelling on June the 20th, uh, flying uh, on SQ324 from Singapore to Amsterdam. The traveller is a solitaire PPS club member, which is uh, Singapore Airlines' top status. Uh, he was in business class, a ticket which he claimed he paid $7,000 for, presumably Singapore dollars, uh, which is just over 5,000 US dollars. So what made the travel experience so terrible? Well, first, there was no champagne in business class. So the complaint is no champagne aboard business cabin. How then is my cabin different from economy? You have one red wine, one white wine, tiger beer on board for business flights. Then it was a minimized contact between the crew and passengers. There was no drink service before the meal. So he goes on about the fact there's no drink service before the meal. And he says that, uh, I understand that Singapore wants to do a one-tray service, so reduce your prices for business class. Why can't there be a graciousness in the new normal? Your cabin staff did not even offer an extra drink. I had to ask for it. I don't think this is worth a regular business flight price. Uh, The uh, passenger then didn't like being treated like a potential infectious customer by staff. (laughs) I did not appreciate that on principle I was treated like a potential infectious customer by your staff. If cabin staff are so afraid to serve, Singapore should not start their flights until there is a vaccine. And then there was no offer of coffee or tea um uh, upon the uh, the tray service how can you charge me seven thousand dollars for my seat anyway he's really harping on about the additional drink service and champagne by saying a business class flight should at least have a drink service and here the champagne is very important to make a difference between economy and business cabin and a post dinner drink uh, the breakfast was the same i won't go into more details as if we haven't had enough already um oh by the way didn't do we not mention that he doesn't like his champagne being cut i have other concerns about the lounge no first class for solitaire ppss Uh, this is tolerable but no champagne again in the business lounge this is ridiculous it goes on and on and on it is a enormous article Uh, there'll be it in the show notes the one thing i would say about it Straight away. I've only flown on Singapore a couple of times to Singapore from uh, Heathrow and on to Melbourne and Sydney. I find the cabin crew, particularly on Singapore, an absolute delight to fly with. I cannot believe that there was the kind of attitude that he's mentioning here uh, on any Singapore Airlines flight. So uh, I, I completely agree with you, Nev, in so, so many ways. But, I mean, let, let, let's throw this out to the chat room here. I mean, so in some respects, all right, okay, the tone is appalling, don't get me wrong. And as you say, I mean, it's not the crew's fault. But, I mean, I know certainly from, like, your experience obviously which we played out last week when you when you took your little flight to edinburgh of course you know way when you would normally be in seat 1a obviously you are used to to different uh, a different standard if you like in comparison to to what i always refer to as castle class so i completely get that there is an issue as far as um service and things is concerned but i, d- I don't know if i agree with the fact that they're saying that there's you know that what's the difference between being in cattle class and business well surely the seat the very, very comfortable lie-flat bed seat is a massive difference to what everybody's experiencing cattle class. I mean, there there are problems, aren't there, with, you know, let's be honest, we really...
really don't know um, what the outcome of all this virus stuff is going to be. You know, and I mean, I'm sure I was uh, I was reading sort of articles this week that 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 caused me great concern, where they think there is a possibility that said virus could now possibly be transmitted through the air. It isn't like sort of, you know. So there's still so much we don't know about this virus. So, I mean, is it? I mean, he's he's he's, he's obviously I mean, gone off on one, hasn't he? But uh, yes, I think he's. Um, he may not have ex- over exaggerated anything. It may all be perfectly true, but I think he has failed in the delivery uh, there somewhat. Um, and I think under the circumstances, we're just going to have to all get along together a little bit better, uh, at least for a while, uh, because I think we, you know, the, the airlines, in my experience, as I, from what I saw last week, and this was only with BA, Short Hall and Heathrow, I realised, but they are doing their absolute utmost to, to do their very best for passengers and, and customers mm. generally. Uh, and as I say, from my experience of flying Singapore, uh, I'm really surprised to, to have heard that, I must say. Yeah. Now, actually, we do have uh, we do have cabin crew in the chat room at the moment. So, hello, Owen, and he's just been telling everyone in the chat room as I was thumbing through, actually, uh, saying that he's just actually done his first flight in a long time today, and he's having just uh, uh, having just uh, gotten off a flight as crew, and it's definitely very difficult to serve to the same standards with the regs that our company have put on us. And I mean, and and this is the thing here, isn't it? I think it's all about perspective, isn't it? Um, But does he have a point, though, in the fact that, you know, that the the ticket price maybe should be lower because you're not getting that same level of service? I mean, what what do we think? Maybe. Uh, But I I think, presumably, uh, I mean... It's not actually a showstopper, is it? Let, let's be honest. No, he probably hasn't received the service he's paid for. You could say mm. that. But really, I mean, I think we just need a bit of perspective on all this. Um, yeah, I didn't get my nice hot breakfast on BA last week. But hey, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. I certainly didn't go into a rant over it. And I just thanked everybody very much for absolutely you know. and to be fair on on twitter there was a lovely amount of feedback coming back from from the staff at, at ba as well thanking you for yeah. you know it's, it's nice to i get owen's point i, I think it is going to be very difficult for crews to adapt to, to new situations mm. there's no question about it. we've never had this kind of situation no. before uh and so there, there are going to be circumstances where the passenger is uh, inconvenienced or doesn't uh, receive the service he's paid for maybe yeah, uh, I, have a, I have a side point of order that is related to this. So as you guys know, I commute to work. I have been trying to not take an airplane. Uh, so as to avoid my personal exposure as much as I can, uh, especially because my regular commute is on American Airlines and American, as we talked about last week, are back to full capacity as of July 1st. Well, American is not serving, providing any cabin service whatsoever. So you're supposed to sort of bring your food on and um, whatever. Yesterday, I flew home on a different airline, and they served as a single baggie to everyone, whether you were in first class, cabin extra, or in economy. And it had a water, some chocolate-covered pretzels, some Cheez-Its, a single-use hand sanitizer, and a napkin, and a card that says, thank you for your patience. We're all working through it. However... This is one of the airlines that requires face coverings. So everyone, in order to board, the, they are required to have a face covering. Yet they served this little baggie to everyone, meaning everyone on the airplane took off their face covering at the exact same time. 
And then I just, I was a little bit perplexed as to what the, where we're going with it. Cause mm -hmm. now, now literally everybody just took their face covering off. So I don't, you know, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness in the industry. Everybody's trying to figure out. So I agree with most everybody, like his delivery on this was a little bit weird, but mm. man, you got to have some perspective. Like it is, it's a weird time. And, and like Nev said, cabin crews are doing their best mm. within, within company policies to provide uh, a comfortable service. But what do we always say? Is there a primary purpose to be on the airplane? Safety. hundred percent. Yeah. It's for your safety. Absolutely. Uh, Nick Cod Codling's got a good point. He says, uh, says Singapore Airlines is the best airline that I've ever flown on, uh, the best customer service in the industry, very much echoing Nev's points here. Uh, and he says, there's a pandemic on, men, men, there's a pandemic on, Mr. Stop being a, and I, I won't say that word. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to be said for, for this, isn't it? I mean, we could go on and on, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, again, Liz uh, is saying that, uh, I believe all businesses are investing a lot of money in making changes to handle the pandemic. I think many are actually raising prices in general, which is, uh, again, a good point. But, um, I mean, if he's uh, – well, then I, I guess he just doesn't fly again, does he? I mean, it's as simple as that. If you know, you know, One of the things that me and John were talking about, Matt, during the week about yep. this story is the fact that when you when you pay a premium price for a, for a first-class or business-class product like that, for me, and I'm pretty sure that most of people would think probably the same – we're not just focusing on what particular grade of food or what food, drink, blah, 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 we're going to get. You're paying that premium to have that, the quality of service, but not only that, but also the lie flat seat, the lie flat bed. Well, quite, the space, yeah. the And it's room. more about that for me personally. Yeah, it's, and exactly. Yeah. It's more about that. That's why you're paying the premium. You're paying that premium to travel in that level of service. Yeah. Things are a lot better than they are in economy. No, and that is true. Anyway, uh, thanks for that, Nev. Great story. That uh, uh, Armando, if you could rattle on with the next one, I'd be most grateful. Okay, this uh, I actually changed the source. Sorry, Matt. Don't have a heart attack. It's okay. Oh. Uh, it, it's just a little bit updated. So Surprise! Uh, Mexican. <laughs> you uh, stick with the pictures there because oh, right. those I'll, are. I'll go and press those buttons. You carry on. Don't mind me. They're, they're still good, and they are they are impressive. So Mexican military officials have found a smuggler's plane ablaze on a jungle road after it made an illegal landing when the aircraft, when military aircraft started following it. The jet, which is suspected of carrying hundreds of kilos of drugs, was discovered in flames on the Yucatan Peninsula. Video posted by top Quintana Roo state police official uh, showed smoke billowing from the jet as it sat on a rural two-lane highway. The Defense Department of Mexico said the plane had arrived from South America and had been tracked since it entered Mexican airspace. According to the department, two Air Force planes were dispatched to trail the jet and troops were flown to the landing site. Uh, the local press reported that because the aircraft had been detected by the armed forces mid-flight, the crew would have landed and burned the plane in order to escape. However, local authorities have not confirmed that, the port, that report. It is unclear whether the plane made an emergency landing and then burst into flames or whether the traffickers purposely set it on fire. Further down the road, uh, headed towards a neighboring state of Yucatan, uh, troops found a pickup truck loaded with 13 sacks of cocaine, weighing a total of about 850 pounds, with an estimated street value of more than $4.9 million. The loss would have a significant impact on criminal organizations, said a statement from the Mexican military. 
a broadcaster Millennial, which showed footage of the plane about half burnt out on the highway, surrounded by dense veg vegetation, reported that the plane had arrived from Maracaibo in Venezuela. Uh, Reuters could not verify the information and the Venezuelan government did not immediately reply to a request for comment. No arrests have been made quite yet. Um, yeah, there you go. So it took me a while to figure out what this airplane was. And if I'm, I'm going to float it to the chat room real quick, if anybody can, can guess at what kind of airplane it is. Um, at first, I thought it was a Falcon 20. I'll give that as a hint, but it is not Falcon 20. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be very judicious in what I say here because I used to work counter-drug. I, I did counter-drug operations in South America and Central America for five years. Um, this is a cat and mouse game that has gone on for probably 40 years, if not more than that. Uh, they, these pilots are amazing pilots, and they are able to do some amazing things with airplanes. Usually, as seen in the movie, the Tom Cruise movie, American Made, you're talking about some light twin aircraft, some Cessna mm. 400 series, some Cessna 300 series, maybe some, some light general aviation aircraft. This particular aircraft was a very expensive uh, business jet. It was the size of a Falcon 20. Um, and I don't see any guesses in the chat room quite yet, but it was a, it's a BAE 125, which is the wow. precursor the precursor to the Hawker 800. Mm. This is a, a $15 million jet. And wow. to be using this as a drug runner is pretty impressive and probably their tactic because uh, this would go undetected, under the radar, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, so it uh, looks like a pretty straight stretch of highway if it was being tailed by military aircraft already, by Mexican Air Force aircraft. They are not shy in taking down an airplane because there's a whole lot of jungle that could land in and not hurt anybody. Um, so I, my personal guess and personal experience is that it is highly likely that these pilots said, okay, time to bail on this operation. We're going to put it down on a highway. Bye-bye now. We're gonna yeah. Open the door, set the match on fire, and we're going to run into the jungle. Hopefully somebody's waiting for us. Uh, Indeed, uh, I, and again, just reading uh, Richard Adams' comment. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Adams is saying fire crews probably floated home on that particular job. Uh, probably a good point. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> yes, yes, that's the problem. Carlos, story number nine, please, before we end up in court. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I was going to say that we, me and Gemma went to the cinema and watched American Made, and it being an aviation kind of film. Gemma loved it. Just going to say that. Anyway, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's because of, that's that's got got of Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise in it. That's the reason yeah. oh. she liked it. Tom Tom nothing Cruise, to do with the aeroplanes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well. Yeah. So, have you ever wondered this next story? What no. are we like? To, no, I have. Thank you, Matt. So <laughs> turn his mic down. Come on. Have you ever wondered Power. what are we like to uh, to draw or to glide through an airport in a self-driving? wheelchair so the next next story is on aerotime.aero forward slash lots of stuff the link will be in the show notes trust <laughs> me and <laughs> this uh is all about jal introducing autonomous mobility services at haneda airport so japan airlines launched the world's first autonomous driving mobility service 
uh, for elderly and disabled passengers at Haneda Airport on the 1st of July. The self-driving vehicle can bring passengers to their destination while sensing the pedestrians around the way. There's no need for staff to push the wheelchair, like uh, which helps to ensure lo- social distancing as well under the current pandemic situation. The Japanese manufacturer will or w-h-i-l-l specialized in manufacturing personal electric vehicles developed the autonomous motor used in this service they set up a standby place named wheel station near a security checkpoint b of Pineda airport with three autonomous vehicles in use passengers can put their luggage on the rack behind the motor fasten the safety belt and after sitting then enter a destination of a terminal of choice and uh, the vehicle will move automatically to take the passenger to the destination. Upon arrival, it will automatically return the will uh, to the station, so there is no need for passengers to bring it back. The service is completely free of charge. Terminal 1 of Haneda Airport that JAL is using is about 800 metres long, and there are many passengers in need of wheelchairs. Oh, they should try and fly Ryanair from Stansted then. Uh, JAL has been promoting... JAL has been promoting uh, measures to upgrade airport services with a theme called JAL Smart Airport, including using the latest technology to shorten the waiting time and make the stay more worthwhile at an airport. The introduction of the autonomous vehicle is also uh, one of the relevant measures. Now, Matt, you played a video where you've got the uh, little picture on the screen, I should say there, of uh, these autonomous wheelchairs. I must say, I'd like to, to, to fake... Well, actually, I wouldn't need to fake an injury at the moment because I, I have, but I'd, I'd like to have a try of one of these, I must say. And Matt's gone. But wouldn't you want, love to try one of these, Nev? Definitely, yes. Yeah. I think that's a superb job, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to cut down, obviously, the walking distance from um, from kind of security to uh, to the terminal, to, to yeah, the gates. Yeah, I'm kind of good with that. Um, I mean, like I said, all jokes aside, it is a hell of a walk. If anyone's ever flown, obviously, Nev hasn't, but flown Ryanair from Stansted Airport, some of their gates are about 4,500 miles away. Yeah, you can easily do your 10,000 steps, can't you, uh, just by <laughs> going from the gate to uh, the other end of the terminal. Uh, mm. That's just standard. Some of the US airports are enormous, of course, and Dubai springs to mind as well <laughs> as being uh, one for uh, keeping up your steps. So, uh, yeah. What do you reckon, Armando? This is, is going to take off in the US? Uh you know, I think we've already got the moving walkways. That's uh, that's probably about as much real estate as we're going to give up <laughs> for. You know, I, I, I watched the most interesting thing about, about the airport design the other day. And there is a whole science to where they have you walk and which way uh, terminals are curved in a certain direction. And they do psychological reports or studies because most people are right-handed, so they'll put some things on the left on your left side. Because naturally, if you're toting your your carry-on bag behind you with your right hand, your head will naturally tilt to the left. You know, so uh, I think introducing more electric vehicles where people are just going to walk by shops because that's how they're making their money is unlikely. Here in the U.S., we're going to probably keep people walking in a manner that's going to make them spend some money in the shops, especially the duty-free and things like that. So uh, I'm going to call probably not on, yeah, okay. in the U.S. 
So moving on to the last story in the news this week, and it's a it's a nice story, I think, to end it on is. this week. Yes, and I'm very pleased to be able to read it as well. It's an absolutely brilliant story. It's on the uh, foxnews.com website, and it says that uh, a flight attendant's Attendance above and beyond actions resulted in a lasting friendship and a very meaningful graduation ceremony uh, for a young boy with autism. Last year, Erica Connolly, a Southwest Airlines flight attendant, met Garrison Christie on a flight from Chicago to Dallas. Garrison, who is autistic, loves airplanes and wanted to share his passion with Connolly. Uh, I love planes uh, also, and so I was excited to interact with him and let him tell me everything he wants to share about flying that he loves so much. Once the plane landed, uh, the pair reportedly went their separate ways with Garrison heading back to his home in Keller, Texas. However, in a heartwarming turn of events, their friendship did not end there. Instead, Connolly sent a book on airplanes that had belonged to her dad, a former Air Force pilot and current American Airlines pilot to Garrison School, Central High School, along with a note. I was your flight attendant. My dad is a pilot. We really love airplanes too. We found this old airplane guide and I thought you should have it, she said. Uh, since then, the twosome have continued their bond, which has led to Garrison learning a lot more about planes, including getting a tour inside a Southwest flight simulator. Garrison's mum, Rennie Christie, uh, said that her son not only carries the book she sent around with him everywhere, but it has also helped him improve his language and reading skills. Uh, just a few minutes on a plane changed his life in getting this amazing friend, she said. And now Garrison, who is graduating from high school, uh, wants to make sure his favourite friend is front and centre. Before he even got to a family member, uh, his first selection was Erica, she said, uh, of, of Garrison choosing five people who are allowed to attend his graduation ceremony. I think we all need a lot more Ericas in the world, she said. As far as her role in Garrison's life, she's happy to have made a positive impact. I always try to be just be a little bit kinder than is necessary. I think if more people took that approach in life, the world would be a little bit of a better place, she said. And I could not agree with that more. It's not the first time, by the way, I've heard of this kind of thing. Um, some autistic children especially get a great deal from these sorts of experiences. Mm. I, I have a colleague of mine, actually, in, in, the, in our industry that's got a, an autistic son. He gets a tremendous amount out of this kind of thing. So uh, good on her. Really, really pleased to be able to read that story out. It's mm. a, as you say, it's a, one, one simple act of kindness, isn't it? And it, and it literally has a... a, a uh, a, a change you know in a person for life literally you know one event can change so many things isn't it and it you know it just seems like a very simple thing to the flight attendant i'm quite sure but as you say literally um you know cha life changing for for that that young team which is just as you say it's a lovely story to end the commercial news on isn't it these southwest um, cabin crew honestly armando that they uh, they do go above and beyond a lot of these uh, these guys and girls. They really do. Southwest, with uh, Herb Keller as the CEO from its inception, has always created that that culture. That's why their their trading uh, stock symbol is love. That's why the hearts. They've just created that culture in their company. But Matt, like you said, real quick, uh, it is a simple gesture for the for the crew. But you know, I'd say one of the things that. I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it a negative because it's, it's not a negative, but it's just one of the limitations of this job being 
either a pilot or crew is that it's a, it's a bit impersonal. You know, you, you kind of, you get people onto airplanes, you get people off airplanes and then you do a 45 minute turn and you hundred people come on and then a hundred people get off. And, you know, it, you just kind of, you yourself get used to just people getting on and off the airplanes and, and you see a thousand people a day. And to occasionally there are interactions that really, really make a difference to the crew also, mm. whether that's the pilots up front, the cabin crew or the gate agents and the support personnel. Um, I have this, this one young man, he is blind uh, Finn, if you're out there, if you're listening, um, and every time he he asks for me by name because I just I love just helping him into the airplane and and he loves flying our airplane and, and does so regularly with it with his mom and it makes my day. You could have the worst day possible, just fighting weather all day long, delays, maintenance, whatever, but you get an interaction like this and it it'll make your day it'll make your week it'll it'll it just renews it rejuvenates the joy in in this job when you have an interaction like this so i'm sure she got just as much as he did out of it yeah absolutely and i think also worth saying that i think uh, um i think all crew in general are, are like that aren't they i think certainly of my experience of of cabin crew they are they are a very unique species and i mean that in the kindest and most awesome of ways because mm. you know they are let's be honest a lot of the time treated by shall we say the lower ends of life um perhaps not as well as they deserve um as i say and, and i know it's not always possible for you to be able to go above and beyond for the for exactly for the same reasons that uh, armando is saying there you know but uh, i think all crew would like to do something you know if, if it was you know and you know possible to do so so it's um you know it's it's a great it's a great story isn't it anyway uh before john starts shouting in our ear i think we need to uh move on and uh it gives me great pleasure to announce uh, part number four in our special series uh that i've been recording with the legend that is captain al and uh this week uh, we're talking about, uh, well, for me personally, because as we know, I'm a bit of a dunce when it comes to this aviation uh, malarkey. Uh, and this week we're learning all about APUs and GPUs. Hi there again and welcome to another part of The Plain Truth. Joining me again is the awesome Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. Hi, Matt. How are things? Uh, yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Still very good. warm here at the moment. It's doing. I don't know what it's like in. Uh, where about? Whereabouts are you at the moment? Uh, I'm in the northwest of England, um, where it's uh, yeah, it's quite muggy. Is it right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thunderstorms and hail, no doubt. <laughs> Oh, well, anything's possible with this summer so far. <laughs> Good point, yes, yeah. I'm just waiting for the locusts to arrive. Right. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's been a funny old year. I think that, that is anything, as you say, anything's possible at the moment. Now, regular listeners to the show will remember that uh, I went on a little taste of flight after Al had very kindly given me some uh, fear of flying counselling, shall we say, because I was uh, about to do some flying for work for the first time. And Owen, who's cabin crew, good friend of uh, all of ours, took us on a, took me, sorry, on a flight, uh, a test flight to see how I got on. And one of the things that I remember most uh, about our little flight to Toulouse was... um, obviously being very nervous at that initial uh, stage. Uh, and before we took off, 
Um, suddenly, the aircraft was all plunged into darkness. Uh, all the emergency lights came on, and basically, uh, poor Owen was after having to sort of talk me off a ledge. Now, he mentioned that apparently that it was the uh, GPU unit that had basically been unplugged, and that's why the aircraft had all been uh, plunged into darkness. But one of the other things that, that another acronym was that, that was thrown at me at a similar time was the APU. So, what is the GPU and the APU, and what are the differences? Okay, well, let's get the acronyms out of the way first. So GPU, ground power unit, and APU, auxiliary power unit. Right. So let's have a look at an aeroplane. So it's designed to be operating in the air with the engines running. So when it's on the ground with the engine stopped, it has batteries, of course, but those batteries aren't really capable of powering all of the systems and they have no way of providing any air conditioning. So we need some way of powering the aircraft when the engines aren't running, which would be typically on the ground. So we usually use the auxiliary power unit, which is a small jet engine located usually in the tail of the aircraft. And when I say small, uh, just a bit bigger than a suitcase, really. Big suitcase size. Now, that little jet engine, and you will quite often see the exhaust for it coming out of the very rear of the tail of the aircraft, is able to do two things. It's able to provide electricity, and it's also able to produce air. Now, that air, the pneumatic supply, is then able to drive the air conditioning units and provide heat if it's cold or cool air if it's hot, and also electrics to supply the aircraft. Now, that's great. But it's an engine, and therefore it requires fuel. And fuel is expensive, and also that auxiliary power unit makes a lot of noise. So where we can, we would like to utilize some cheaper form of power. And that is where the ground power unit comes in. Now, it can take the format of two particular styles. There'll be let's just say a big sort of like diesel generator on wheels, um, the size of a small van that can be towed around, uh, or it can actually be part of the air bridge and it's just an umbilical cord that comes uh, from the aircraft that then is plugged into it. So what we try to do is we try to use the, the ground power wherever possible because A, it's cheaper, uh, B, it makes less noise, and quite important these days, it's environmentally more favourable. Now, here's the thing. If we're sat on the aircraft at the gate and the ground power is connected, that sort of umbilical cord, and we remove that power, the only thing that is powering the aircraft at that time is the batteries. And, okay, they're reasonable-sized batteries, but they're not huge. So the aeroplane has to dispense with non-essential services. So the cabin lights go out. And therefore, because by default we have a fault on the aircraft, the emergency lights will come on because the systems don't know exactly what's happened here. So by default, the emergency lights will come on when the power goes off. So in your particular case, what happened is that the ground crew disconnected the ground power before the auxiliary power unit had been started, 
and thereby plunging the aircraft into darkness. <laughs> what is supposed to happen is the ground crew are supposed to knock on the side of the aeroplane and wait for the signal from the pilots to indicate that they may disconnect. Now, before any ground crew at any airports write in, phone in, or lynch <laughs> me on the corner of the street, very occasionally the umbilical cord, the connector, can just drop out, especially if it's windy. So in your case, it may have been just an unintentional disconnection, or indeed the ground power unit might have, you know, had a technical fault or run out of fuel. May not have been a careless ground operative. And I suppose in, now, in, in defence of everyone, I suppose, I mean, they didn't know that the person, one of the people on that aircraft was having his first test of flight since he developed a fear of flying. So, I mean, the timing couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> indeed. Now, this takes me on to uh, another little area, and that is the fact that when it's very, very hot or very, very cold, so uh, I want you to imagine being in Seville in Spain in the middle of summer where the outside air temperature is sort of 43, oh. 44 degrees. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and the sun is beating down. And, of course, the aeroplane is just like a, a big greenhouse, really, isn't it, with all of those windows. So it can get very hot in the cabin. Now, one of the problems that we have is that a lot of airports prohibit the use of running the APU, that's the little jet engine at the back, for anything more than five minutes after arrival and no more than five minutes before departure. Now, I said to you that that APU provides electric and air, pneumatic, which we can run the air conditioning. So what do we do for air conditioning when it's very hot or very cold? Well, the good news, in some ways, is that airports are able to provide another form of umbilical cord, a big tube, that they pump conditioned air into the cabin. And this is what you're intended to use. Here's the small problem. Some airports maintain their air conditioning systems better than others. <laughs> so as pilots, you can sometimes between, get stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's warm in the cabin but not excessively so, but people would like it cooler. The airport have provided you with conditioned air. It is cooler than the ambient air, but not by much. And the fines for unlawfully, in inverted commas, running the APU can be in the tens of thousands of euros. Wow. Which the airlines don't like to pay. No, I can imagine. Yeah. So there are procedures to get dispensation from the airport, but as you can imagine, it's not that straightforward because it has to be passed up through several people. So are, so some, are, that some, is, are some of those restrictions uh, uh, involving the ground power unit as well? Are there restrictions in place for, for running that? No, there's, there's no restrictions usually for the ground power unit because the ones on the air bridge are effectively silent. It's just part of the yeah. uh, infrastructure of the airport. Uh, the diesel-powered ones, yeah, they're noisy, but not as noisy as a jet engine. Right, yeah. No, well, that, that's and we have to have some form of electrical supply, if nothing else, on the ground, because the batteries will run flat after half an hour. Gosh, okay. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, uh, difficult for for your your scenario, I know, because I know you haven't done a great deal of uh, what I call low cost 
um, flying in your experience. But so if, if you've got an aircraft that's doing a, a short turnaround, say, uh, I'll use Ryanair as an example, obviously. So it's it's uh, it's landed, uh, it's taken off at Stansted, it's it's gone to say Toulouse, and then it's going to go Toulouse back to Stansted. Um, that bit when it gets to Toulouse, I mean. Would it normally, I mean, because they're, they're not on the ground for very long, are they? They're only there for about sort of probably 20, 25 minutes, something like that. Uh, yes. Obviously, they can't leave the, the APU running in that scenario. But would they plug into uh, some kind of unit to keep the, the, the aircraft at a comfortable temperature? Okay, so this is where it becomes a little bit more complicated. So oh, I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> so to avoid lawyers getting involved, okay. <laughs> if we were to say an airline that operates on a low-cost model similar to Ryanair, <laughs> but not Ryanair, okay. then everything associated with aviation comes at a cost. So the ground power you have to pay for. If you want ground air conditioning, you have to pay for it. If you want to air condition the cabin with the auxiliary power unit, the APU, that comes at a cost by virtue of the fuel that it needs to run. And also, it's a little engine, so it needs to be serviced, etc., etc. So there is a, a cost per minute for running it. So this is where you kind of fall into the category of you pay your money, you take your choice. <laughs> so long as it is not dangerously hot in the cabin, an airline operating on a basis similar to Ryanair, but not Ryanair, may have a policy that says, within this particular temperature regime, you do not pay for you know, additional air conditioning. It's hot, but it's safe. Other airlines that may operate on a full service basis that will look at it and go, well, you know, these passengers have paid 500 pounds for their trip to Toulouse or Seville, mm. um, so we're going to, uh, you know, make them feel comfortable with an ice of 20, 21 degrees, the choice becomes uh, less relevant because there's, there's more money in the pot. Mm. Now, I have to say that anything at the airport is expensive, not just as a passenger, but as an airline as well, okay? That's so that, that ground air conditioning doesn't come cheap. No. Whether it's, whether it's good or not, yes. um, you, you don't get a, a refund. If they've plugged it in, you're paying for it. <laughs> wow uh, Captain Al thank you very much my pleasure if you want to take your knowledge to the next level sign up for a subscription at the A320 lounge our online video courses combine whiteboard style lessons with full failure demonstrations shot in 4k in state of the art simulators using a professional production team Go into your next simulator session with confidence, having seen failures run in real time and with the background knowledge to answer any questions from your instructor. To get more information and to sign up, visit a320lounge.com. And my thanks to Captain Alex. I'm really enjoying this little series. I hope everyone else is too. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's some interesting stuff. Yeah, very good. I know a few people who are, in, who are enjoying yeah, your this. Your dad, uh, weirdly, for some reason, <laughs> loving the <laughs> loving the bloody segment. You know, yeah. oh, you, thought, you thought I'd given him a, an early Christmas present that, um, yesterday when Matt sent me the link for the for this particular uh, segment this week, and so Dad had a preview of it. Oh, uh, did he? 
Mm-hmm. Spoiling is, him. Yeah. Spoiling is, him. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Absolutely yeah. loves it. But th- there are a lot of people also, Gareth as well. Uh, hello to you, Gareth, because I know you listen to the show. Um, he enjoys the segment as well. So, mm. Actually, Steve, Steve, Steve oh, S. Something, you? you do absolutely about. yeah steve s uh, as i say talking about what we were saying steve s aero was saying in the chat room here and sometimes the ground handler will pull the gp gpu away without any without disconnecting it and that can be very messy and expensive which uh, is mm. is true so uh, yeah thanks for the the feedback on that as i say genuinely though guys um if you have anything that you want answers to please do either send them to us by whatsapp ping us an email podcast at plaintalkinguk.com i've only got one more actually that's recorded uh, and i've got to sit down and have another recording session with captain al very soon uh, so if you're listening uh, to this al please do get in touch uh, <laughs> and um uh, with any ideas that you've got about things that you want answers to um now is the prime opportunity and we'll get it on for you in the next few weeks so yeah podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is where you need to go uh, or send us a whatsapp it's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six that's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six and uh, we'll get that recorded and out as soon as possible so we're going to move on to the next part of the show where we hand things over to armando so over to you everybody's favorite part the military matt if you're ready hit the button We are now well into the fifth generation. No, Japanese fifth generation fighter Mitsubishi X2 Shinshin makes its first flight. Uh, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries successfully completed the maiden flight of an advanced technology stealth jet, the X2, previously known as the Mitsubishi ATDX Shinshin, uh, on April 22nd, 2016. 2016. Uh, the fighter took to the skies as Japan joins a select group of military world power. Yep, world military powers. That includes the United States, Russia, and China, capable of producing a manned radar-dodging jet plane. The inaugural flight had previously been postponed due to bad weather conditions and malfunctions of parts used in its emergency escape system. Last November, Japan had another landmark event when it successfully made the maiden flight in their first domestically produced passenger jet. Uh, The X-2... The also known as the Shinshin, or the Spirit of the Heart, took off from Nagoya Airport and performed a series of trials to test basic maneuvers as dozens of aviation enthusiasts at the event cheered on and watched the plane climb, descend, and circle above. The single-pilot prototype X-2 painted in the red and white colors of Japan was flanked by two Japanese military fighters that were collecting flight data. It landed at Japan's uh, Air Self-Defense Force Gifu Air Base with no, quote, no particular problems. Uh, after completing the 25-minute maiden flight, the pilot from Mitsubishi Heavy Industries described the flight experience as extremely stable. Control of the aircraft went exactly as in our simulated training sessions. And after piloting the aircraft, I'm 100% positive the X-2 is magnificent and will meet the Ministry of Defense's uh, requirements. Um, so actually, kind of a preemptive apology uh, I'm reading this, and I realize we've talked about this before. This article is actually from 2016. It is from April 23rd, 2016. I did not proofread it. I didn't do the military segment this uh, this week. We had some uh, audience contributions, but 
There we go. Now we're going to call it a rehash of something that happened in 2016, four <laughs> years ago, brought to you by your PTUK host, in case you didn't remember that the Shin Shin made its maiden flight. <laughs> is, is, it, is it just me or, or has whoever designed this jet, did they just nick the back end off an F-35? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm going to imagine that the collaboration was a little bit different than the Chinese stealth jet, mm-hmm. you know. We may have actually talked to the to the Japanese about this one, but um, yeah, what are you going to do? And you know, this V-tail sort of F twenty two F thirty five tail design, I, it, it's now in the Boeing uh, TX trainer. So uh, I wonder if there's something aerodynamically advantageous about this. I think we, you know, the F eighteen has it. So I'd be interested to get an aerospace engineer on and see if there's a you know an advantage to this. But there you go. Brought to you, four-year-old story brought to you by P2K. <laughs> it's a fascinating little craft, though, genuinely. It's been ripped. Yeah. Obviously, the back end's ripped off an F-35. <laughs> you keep saying yeah, that. It so <laughs> is. It so is. <laughs> I, I will say this story is sort of a precursor because anytime an aircraft makes a first flight, it's uh, it's it's pretty momentous, not just for the for the manufacturer, but usually for that country. And this is a little bit of a teaser. Hang on till the end of the show because we're going to have something related to first flights next week. Oh, <laughs> there you are. There we go. There go. I think so, I'm just sur- I surprised Matt too. <laughs> yes. What, what's going on? I'm very confused. Uh, oh well, never mind. Uh, nothing unusual there. <laughs> It'll be fine. Carlos, Carlos, over to you. Yes, over to me. Thank you, Armando. Uh, So the next story uh, is uh, on the Gloucestershire Live or the GloucestershireLive.co.uk website. And for those of you who are used to seeing aircraft landing on tarmac runways, this is slightly different. So huge Airbus A400M Atlas plane makes spectacular landing on a beach. So this one's got a video. Matt's going to play the video out uh, for you to watch. So it's a familiar sight over Gloucestershire, but not quite a commonplace on your local beach. This is the moment an A400M Atlas plane based at RF Bryce Norton lands on the sand in Wales. The video was shared by the Royal Air Force, who said the plane was conducting natural service, uh, surface operations. And uh, safe to say, definitely natural surfaces is definitely the word for it. Uh, it successfully completed a beach landing at Penbury Sands in Wales, which is not far from the airfield we were talking about just earlier on in the show with the uh, guy who owns that airport. So the huge plane is the latest aircraft to join the air mobility force at the base just across the border in Oxfordshire. It regularly flies missions across the UK and flies uh, over Gloucestershire airspace. And uh, the day before, it had flown uh, to the vicinity of Teesside for essential training. Now, I'd have to say it's, it, it's good that there wasn't no one on the beach sunbathing on this day. But uh, during the height of the pandemic, I, the Royal sure Air Force they planned it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think they. I don't think. I don't think they landed there on char- on spec. You know. <laughs> Actually, it says on the story that the Royal Air Force Atlas C One or the A four hundred M is one of the most frequent flyers over Gloucestershire and is used for transporting cargo and troops. A top speed of uh, over five hundred miles an hour, it can carry thirty seven tons over a distance of two thousand nautical miles up to 40,000 feet in height. It can also land uh, and take off from semi 
uh, prepared airfields, small landing strips and even beaches, as was proved with this story. Bryce Norton is a key base for deployment of troops as well as cargo flights. Now, I have to say that I think that beach landing was, uh, you know, when you get that fairly heavily compacted sand that's slightly damp, it's more kind of hard and more robust than, than a kind of wispy sandy kind of beach. I think they um, picked the the correct beach, I should say, to land this on. I think if they had tried to have landed this on, say, Great Yarmouth Beach, Matt, they might have had uh, a slight issue. <laughs> yeah, the seagulls, for one. Uh, the damage to the aircraft mm. will be unspeakable. Uh <laughs> It's, this is quite this is quite yeah. cool, Armando. I like this. Yeah, this is uh, it's not something that you practice regularly. So doing beach landings, as far as I know, there aren't very many places uh, in the world that are approved for beach landing training. And Pembrey Sands, which sits about a quarter mile from the Pembrey International Airport, Pembrey West Wales Airport that we just talked about in the commercial segment. So you can you can see the beach from the tower of the that that airport, um, or if you're there at the Pembrey Racing Circuit, uh, there's also a caravan park right between the airport and the beach. So somebody was getting a great show this day, but we've taken we, the U.S. Air Force has taken their C-130J models into this beach. Um, it is no secret that I'm actually a huge fan of the A-400, uh, and that was from their demonstration at Farnborough went oh my gosh amazing airplane um so it's not something that you practice regularly this is a a a pretty well established beach landing area training area and uh what uh, is not mentioned is there are specialized uh i don't know ground controllers that will go out and survey the sand just like you're talking about carlos um in a combat environment you you would drop these individuals via parachute via airdrop or you can insert them via helicopter Uh, they will conduct a survey of that landing area and deem it appropriate or or adequate for something like an a400 or a a c130 to come in usually that's going to be under the cover of night um, and you can do a a um, sort of a beach invasion call it with a couple airplanes pretty pretty impressive if anybody ever gets a chance to go out and and watch it actually one of my standout moments from i think it was was it 2016 where they had the a400m and they also had an a380 didn't they and they did a sort of like Mm. back-to-back um sort of fly uh routine which which i still still to this day uh those two aircraft sort of flying one after the other were were my standout moments from from that from that air show I'm, i'm gonna miss um that air show in that form uh, a lot actually it was a it was a good it was a good some good memories were made at those two uh farmers that we went to so mondo yeah. what's uh what's next yeah this uh, uh kind of a late breaking story is from the war zone an american pilot ejected from an afghan air force a29 light attack aircraft uh so details remain limited on this one but the super tucano uh, aircraft crashed earlier today, uh, reportedly with a U.S. pilot on board. Reports also say that this individual was injured after ejecting, but they have already been rescued. Uh, their exact affiliation, such as whether they are a member of the U.S. military or a private contractor, is unclear, as is whether there was a member of the Afghan Air Force in the aircraft at the time of the accident. So the mishap, which is said to have been the result of a technical failure, occurred in the Doshi district of Afghanistan's northeast Baglan province, approximately 11.30 a.m. This was yesterday, July 9th. 
the A-29 was assigned to the Kabul Air Wing uh, based at Hamid Karzai International Airport in the country's capital of Kabul. The single-engine turboprop Super Tucanos are Afghanistan's primary fixed-wing combat aircraft. Armed with two 50-caliber machine guns, they carry various types of ordnance, including laser-guided bombs on four hard points under the wings and another one under the center of the fuselage. Uh, the uh, In a statement, uh, I guess, from the New York Times, or that the New York Times acquired, the A-29 had an American on board, unclear if the aircraft flying alone or with an Afghan uh, according to those familiar with the crash. There's a couple of Twitter uh, updates from the actually Af- Af- Afghanistan government. Um, there is an unconfirmed video that it appears an MI-17 is uh, at the crash site and rescuing the pilot. It's, it seems like, like he was all right and just minimally injured. But uh, yeah, so this is interesting because right now there's an ongoing evaluation to see whether the A-29 will be the U.S. Air Force's next light attack aircraft uh, in competition with the T-6 uh, in an attack role. So uh, we'll see. Uh, it's un- I mean, it, mechanical failures are pretty rare with, this, uh, with the PT-6 engine, but it's not uh, unheard of, I suppose. So we'll have to see what comes out of this one and how it affects the U.S. acquiring this aircraft. So, Nev, moving on to uh, the last story for you, and uh, we're back with the Royal Air Force for this one. Yes, you remember that the, all the controversy about the Prime Minister's RAF Voyager being resprayed the other week. Well, it's actually been put into uh, proper use uh, in the last uh, week or so. It's on the forces.net website, and it says that uh, the resprayed RAF Voyager used to transport the Prime Minister and the Royal Family has been called out to support military aircraft in Scotland, the MOD has said. A week after returning to the skies after being painted with Union flag, the aircraft joined the QRA, quick reaction alert, with fighter jets from RAF Lossiemouth. An MOD spokesman said the plane was deployed as Russian aircraft approached UK airspace. No interception was required during the operation and the Voyager made a return to its base at RAF Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire. Typhoon fighters from RAF Lossiemouth were scrambled today in response to Russian military aircraft approaching the UK. However, the aircraft did not enter our area of interest and no intercept was made, an RAF spokesman said. The RAF Voyager was launched to conduct air-to-air refuelling during the mission, and the RAF said, and the Voyagers are also used to transport personnel or freight. The aircraft itself recently underwent a makeover worth around £900,000 in Cambridgeshire. In fact, I just missed it because it went out uh, the week before I was uh, up there filming. Uh, it saw the aircraft transform from grey to bright white, with the Union Jack flag along its tail. The move was condemned by opposition politicians, uh, with the SNP describing it as an utterly acceptable use, sorry, utterly unacceptable use of public funds. Quite ironic that it was around the RAF Lossiemouth area at the time. Um, <laughs> Downing Street argued that the makeover represented value for money. Of all the 330 uh, MRTTs they could have used for this particular mission, they they picked this one. Yes. Mm. I love it. I love that they picked this one. <laughs> this this just really puts an end to the argument of anybody that is a naysayer about, about this aircraft. It is still an operational aircraft. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Can you imagine 
being a typhoon and refueling behind your 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 country's flagship aircraft. Mm. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's great to see it in use. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, I mean, I, I suppose the only negative thing you could say is it's it's not exactly inconspicuous, shall we say. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think an A330 in any paint scheme is inconspicuous. Yeah. No, fair point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's just great use, isn't it? Just great to see it. You know, just I, I love it. I love it. I could watch it all day. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. There's so many things right with this story. I mean, seeing the the refueling drogues coming out of out of the your 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 flagship aircraft. Oh, I just think it's so cool. I very cool. Agreed. Hundred percent agree. Great I still story. think. I still think that's that's a that's a tail from a BI aircraft when you look at that. Just to make Nip smile. Or maybe a, a BA-146, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway. Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, we, we've got we've got lots of things to talk about, actually, that are coming up next week. But uh, perhaps you wouldn't mind just uh, whizzing through the competition details again, please, Carlos. Yes. Don't forget that all-important competition. You could have the chance of being drawn from the hat and winning that £150 voucher to spend at the Plane Reclaimers website on their shops. You could buy parts of 747s, 777s, 737s, A320s, you name it, you can buy bits from all of them. So all we want you to do is just send us in some feedback, something we can play out on the show or read out on the show with the theme of aviation in my life. So any feedback, written or audio, visual, will do. You can be entered into that draw to win that voucher, which was kindly donated by Andrew Keegan from the Plane Reclaimers, who we had on back in episode 324. So you can send that in uh, via, you can send it in via WhatsApp if you want to, for our WhatsApp number. Uh, you can send it yeah, into the show the via feed. email. Yeah, send yeah, a, voice, send feedback. voice note. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so don't forget that WhatsApp number, plus 447572249166, or you can email it into the show, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. You can send us a file in there. But we'd love to hear that. And then what we'll do is we'll draw that out uh, in August. I think we're doing that in August, aren't we? I think we? so, yeah. Episode yeah. 330, anyway, whenever that falls. Yeah, episode 330. So um, get those bits and pieces in to us to be with a chance of winning that. So another four weeks to go, basically. Another four weeks to go. Now, next week, uh, we have some exciting news. (gasps) And I'm going to pass this one on on over. Now, do you know what? I mean, we've got a little WhatsApp group chat that we all talk about. And when um, our guests were announced uh, in our group chat, I I witnessed a reaction which I didn't think was possible from an ex-military man, I have to be honest. Uh, so, Armando, uh, I think because of that, uh, I'm going to throw this over to you. So I would like you, please, to let everyone know who is joining us next week. Oh, ex-military, we are just people. You know, we still have emotions. No, you don't. No, no. You're all, you know, you're all dead inside, aren't you? Isn't that how that works? Oh, boy. <laughs> Thumbs up from Nev. Um, <laughs> so listen, everybody that's listening to this show... Right, and we're going to have something like 10,000 downloads this week. Get your hashtags ready. Get your mentions ready. Next week, we're going to have two guests, and it may not be the regular show with the standard uh, stories and commercial and military because we haven't figured out how, to, how we're going to run this quite yet. So the first guest we're going to have is Sean Van Hatten, otherwise known as the husband of one Miss Jody Ruger, which he, we had on the show last year. Sean is a test pilot. He's a flight instructor. He's an aerobatic performer. Last week, he was the pilot at the controls, for the first flight of the Stratus 716 light jet 
So it's a brand new aircraft, first flight. It's a six-seat aircraft uh, aimed to compete with the Cirrus Vision, with that Cessna Citation uh, crowd. Uh, but he's going to talk to us about uh, test pilot school and, and about the planning that goes into uh, basically the first flight of, a, of an innovative airframe. Uh, so, Armando, the, the in the chat room here, somebody's just said, uh, uh, Stephen H. has said, is our second guest Graham Norton? Uh. No, better. <laughs> so, Quite. next, second guest next week. Not sure how long we're going to have her. Hopefully uh, 45 minutes or more, according to her publicist. But Ariel Tweedo, daughter of Jim Inferno Tweedo, perhaps from the wildly popular Discovery Channel TV show, Flying Wild Alaska. She's going to join us for the show. She's going to talk about uh, flying in Alaska, filming and producing the TV show, her own journey to become a pilot, and her life after the show, which she um, moved to L.A. and became a television producer promoting uh, Native American filmmaking. And she continues to be involved in her family's business up in Alaska. So... I am super excited to have these two guests on next week. It's going to be a great show. Make sure you hashtag. I don't even know what our hashtag is, but <laughs> hashtag it away. Make sure everybody's watching on YouTube and yeah. uh, and getting ready to listen. So, so, yeah, guys, we need your help with this one because we want to make this as big a show as we possibly can. So uh, if, if you could all do us a huge favor, what we'll do is we'll get, uh, now that we've announced it on the show, on Sunday, we'll make sure that there is a tweet that is released by Plain Talking UK on Facebook and Twitter. And if you could share the heck out of it we'd be inter- eternally grateful because uh you know massive aviation fans will know this is a huge deal this is a really huge deal and we're super excited that uh, that uh, both guests are joining us so it's going to be one epic show next week and if it's not one to be missed and if you can't make it live you need to catch up it's going to be a damn good show obviously usual rules apply so if you want to get in touch uh, and you've got some questions that you want to ask um the usual channels will be open for you to do that uh, why not go a little bit crazy send us some audio feedback and we can play it to our guests so go nuts it's podcast at plain talking uk.com and of course the whatsapp number which you can also do a voice note plus four four seven five seven double two four nine one six six that's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six uh genuinely i've never seen armando so excited i don't know what's the matter with him he's like a kid in a sweet shop <laughs> A little bit. And, you know, when, when we have somebody that's been on, on David Letterman and The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, I think she was on 16 times on, on The Late Late yeah. Show. So yeah. a genuine Hollywood star and aviation family yeah. uh, legend. So very cool. Absolutely. Can't wait. So that was next week. So make sure you set your reminders. And if you do follow us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe uh, so you get that notification when we go live. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms on Twitter at Plain Talking UK. <laughs> And also sorry. on Instagram. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, get, I know you're in your flow there. I'm going to interrupt you there. But uh, Dr. Steph is just... Must be the chat room. Yeah, it is the chat room. It's, uh, we've, we've got a suggested um, <laughs> we've got a suggested hashtag for next week's show from Dr. Steph. It's PTU, hashtag PTUK will be longer than APG. There you are. Uh, <laughs> hashtag not possible. <laughs> Quite, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I'm on. Uh, Carlos, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Do carry uh, on. That's uh, fine. <laughs> um, where'd I get to? Instagram. Follow us on Instagram as well. Plain Talking UK. Don't forget that all important uh, email address, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com to send in your 
your well your uh, aviation inspiration thoughts for our piece of feedback for you to send in to win that voucher and also don't forget you can obviously send us in that as well via our whatsapp number again that plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six and also if you're going to do your shopping which i've used i've absolutely used the heck out of our link this week it'll be pleased to know matt oh, if you're doing your shopping through amazon you can go to our website where you'll find the links to the amazon page where you can do your shopping through it doesn't cost you anything but helps us with a little referral fee every now and again and there's also the links on our website for the store if you haven't already got yourself a ptuk t-shirt we have got some new ones coming soon which are being delivered hopefully next week some ptuk t-shirts to so get on there and you can purchase yourself a t-shirt and also as well um, on the website you'll find links to patreon and paypal if you fancy becoming a helper and a donator to the show to help us push things along and get these awesome guests on the show absolutely i'm gonna need everybody's help actually because i think if we've got two high profile guests like we've got next week i need to get this new website finished don't i because it's it's, yes. it's it's been a yes absolutely okay leave it with me <laughs> So that is where we are unfortunately going to bring episode number 300 and I'm at the top here. 326, 326 to a close. Nev, you're, 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 you're off to Scotland next week? Yes, I'm going to miss the show next week. All this excitement. Oh, um, that's, that's rubbish. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. Yeah, you'll uh, have to watch it. I'm very much looking forward to going away yeah, uh, with Mrs. Nev and just having a break away for a week, which would be nice that we're back uh, the following Sunday. So be interesting uh, to, I, I look forward to hearing sort of how, how you found things, obviously, because things are going to be very different, aren't they? Like to what we're, oh, we're used to. Like being a Nev's dining experience or a Nev's hotel experience. That'll be uh, yeah, absolutely memorable, won't it? Mate, so. I mean, you know, for, you know, after, after next week's show, we're going to be desperate for content again so you know you knock yourself out uh, well, <laughs> absolutely. fantastic uh now carlos you how now um, I, I don't know if you i don't know if you said this much publicly but carlos has done some severe damage to his leg slash knee slash ankle and some of the colors that have been shared with us uh, sometimes mm. you're very lucky not to be part of our whatsapp group i'll be honest um i mean so you're still at work though aren't you and you probably shouldn't be if i'm honest yeah, I made a silly decision to go back to work silly after boy. having having an accident, like accident at work, which means yes. which means my foot is now various shades of purple shades of, and yes, black. Yeah. He's not going to show you because red. it's not suitable for this. Time it's not of day, good. No. It's not good. Absolutely. But, um, so, so you've, you've say, got a full Gemma's schedule. Looking after me. Well, of course she is. Absolutely. You got a, you got a full schedule next week. I have. Yeah, got a full schedule next week. Got uh, we're back to full pelt now for the uh, for the company I work for. Hello to Stuart as well because I know Stuart watches the show. Uh, we're back to full pelt and uh, lots of work coming in. So that's good. That's good. Excellent we like that. news. Excellent news. Now, Armando, uh, you're uh, uh, what you're doing the uh, flying at the weekend with the, with the parachute jumpers. But uh, have you got any other sort of like commercial stuff to do? Uh, not a lot. I've only got two days of actual money-making flying next week. And Ooh. yep. So I've got two flying days for work, uh, next Sunday or next Sunday, like a couple of days from now, I'll be doing skydivers. And other than that, we are taking a family camping trip oh, to wow. an undisclosed location in the Eastern North Carolina. Right. So, oh, top secret. Other than that, I just got yeah. some time. Yeah. yeah. Top secret. Top secret. Can't possibly tell anyone. All the fans will turn up desperate to catch up with you and your lovely family. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a crew log. Yeah. Indeed. Actually, just quickly before we finish, and I know, I think Mondo may have seen this. Uh, I know Nev has seen it. 
I actually watched this week on Amazon Prime the uh, the seventy five hundred film. Oh yes, and uh, yeah, it, well, you, yeah, you got to watch it. You got to watch it, and yeah, actually, I I agree with um, what most people are saying that it's uh, it's quite accurate. Actually, the the whole the aviation side of that film is really quite accurate. Um, the ending was a bit abrupt in my view, but Nev, I think you, you've watched this film as well, haven't you? I didn't watch it, but uh, Mrs. Nev watched oh, it. Yeah. She did say how good what? it was. And so, <laughs> uh, unbelievably, she's actually watched something to do with aviation. Uh, but the realism... By accident, surely. Or, yeah. <laughs> for a change, seemed to be very good from what I hear. So I mm. also watch it. Well, they get, a, they get a realism point just for... In the, in the actual movie promotion, it says in the cockpit of an Airbus A319. Mm. Like the and fact it, that they just spelled that in the, in the, in the just production <laughs> thing. Good pretty start. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Makes you feel very confident. Uh, right, that's it, guys. It's time to wrap up. Uh, thank you very much for joining us as always. As I say, super show to look forward to next week. We're going to miss you, Nev. I'm sorry you're not going to be here for, you, for this. Well, as I say, you get a high-profile guest. Nev mobs off to Scotland on holiday, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I shall be doing. Some, we're going to rerun a uh, interview that I did with um, the uh, general manager of the ATC facility in Gibraltar, which I did about uh, eighteen months ago. We've got some more, uh, some new listeners and new viewers, so mm. people that may not have seen that. So I'm going to do a quick re-edit of some of that, cool. and perhaps in a couple of weeks' time, we shall rerun that uh, as well. Which was Sounds really exciting. Well so a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening, all the usual family members in there. Big thanks as well to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast. Carlos, oh, oh, somebody just bought a T-shirt. <laughs> okay. Uh, <thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> They've well, not arrived yet, but you will get it soon. Don't worry. Not, I mean, it's not that exciting. We sell hundreds of them every week, right, Matt? Uh, yes, of course. My apologies. Sorry. <laughs> I may have given a little bit. I'll shut up now. Carry on, Carlos. We'll get that off to you as soon as the new ones come in. But they are nice, shiny, new, brand new t-shirts. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, thanks to everyone who listens to the show. And have a great weekend and stay safe. And from me, Carlos, here in my home studio. From Matt in the PTUK studios. From Nev over in the NevTech studios. And from Armando across in his Charlotte studio. Have a great weekend. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Great weekend. Bye.